guys, Jeremy here. Welcome to today's Everyman Livestream. Now, no matter where you're tuning in from, just know that there are thousands of your brothers tuning in with you who are part of a movement of spirit-empowered men called to be dangerous with goodness in your part of the world. Now, when it comes to being with someone, it's easy to be in the same space. But depending on what is happening on the inside, you might be in the right space, but your heart is in a totally different space. That's why Jesus would say things like, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Did you hear that? He's saying that men claiming a relationship with him and who are with him were actually far from him in spirit. There is no hiding that fact. He knew that we could say the right spiritual things, be in the right spiritual places, and make the right spiritual motions, while at the same time, be totally disconnected from the heart of God. Now that kind of relationship with God sounds like acting. That's exactly what it is. So why bring that up in preparation for this week's live stream? I'm glad you asked. Just like we can see and sense when a person is standing in front of us, is detached or not with us. It's also super true in your connection to God. God is a person and can actually see from the inside out. And just like you would question a person's desire to be with you, if they're constantly distracted by other thoughts or concerns or even their smartphone, God feels the same way with you. Now, if you're like me, the one person you don't want to feel that is Jesus. In today's session, we're going to learn what being with God looks like and means from God's perspective, why it matters so much and how God will respond to your sincere and authentic presence. But before we dive into today's study, think about all the people you know who want a solid connection with God. And then take a moment and share this powerful message with them. Now, let's go live to Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California, and join men's expert and pastor Kenny Luck for part two of our study with God. If you have a Bible, you're going to want to hold a spot in Psalm 84. If you're watching online, I'm glad you're, you're with us. We're in a series called With God. And uh, I'm going to ask the same question I asked in part one. Uh, wouldn't you agree that relationships can start off one way and turn into something very different over time? Yeah, they can. And, and that's very true in your relationship with God. How many of you remember when you got saved? Oh my goodness, right? Now, has the relationship been tested? 100%. And, and that's true in your relationship with God. Just if you're joining us for part two, in part one we talked about how uh, a relationship with God can go from being with him, which is what we all want, we want someone with us, to having life from God or over God or for God. Um, and, and where it turns into the goal is not God himself anymore, but what we can get from God. And... Uh, it's human, it's natural, uh, it's, it's a tendency, uh, and, but what we're doing with this series is we're, we're kind of trying to reset. You know when you need to reset a relationship that's kind of gotten off track? Over time, the relationship tracks, and it becomes something that you don't want it to be, neither person wants it that way, and you got to kind of stop, recognize what's happened, and then come back home, amen? You got to come back home, and you have to reset and you have to reflect, and you got to renew the connection that you had at first. And it's healthy to do that. Uh, the Bible says the same thing. In fact, in the book of Revelation, one of the criticisms uh, of the church is that you left your first love. It's become something, I see all that you're doing, I see what you've made of, of our connection, I see uh, the activity, but in the mix, you've lost me. And so I think it's healthy, God says it's healthy, to reset, reflect, and renew. Let's say those three words. Reset, reflect, and renew. One more time. Reset, reflect, and renew. Yeah, you need to do that. I mean, for you guys who have a ring on, you're married, you gotta do that all the time or else the relationship is gonna be stale bread. No one likes stale, everybody likes fresh. Amen, wow, everybody said that in the room. Fresh is better. Fresh coffee, fresh sheets, fresh maple bars. Okay, that's too much information. Um, so let's, let's look at God's word and let's look at a few of God's desires. There's so many that God has for this relationship. But let's look at the critical ones and then we'll just see, all right, 
Let's reset the relationship. What does God want from the relationship? Uh, one picture is in Exodus 29, uh, Exodus 29, 42. I love this verse. Let's read it together. Offerings are to be made each day from generation to generation. Offer them in the Lord's presence at the tent of meeting. There I will meet with you and speak with you. Uh, from the Exodus passage, we see a couple things that you'll want to write down on your fill-ins. The first two fill-ins. First, God wants frequency of connection. God wants frequency of connection. Uh, when God set up a, the relational system with him, it was a, it was a system of, of kind of offerings that meant something and connections. And that's kind of the way relationships are and start. I remember when I first started dating my wife, I mean, it was about offerings and connections, all right? I was offering things that man, I don't even want to talk about. Like I became a poet, flowers, candy, clothes. I'm making offerings because I want the connection. And I'm doing it as frequently as I can because my heart is after her heart right? God's a, God's a person. So God wants frequency. And also from the Exodus passage, God wants intimacy of the heart. I love this passage because it talks about a place where a person who loves God can connect with God. And it's called the tent of meeting. And in the tent of meeting, you find the Lord's presence. And did you know today that God desires a tent of meeting with you so that he can be present with you. Now, what's great about knowing the Lord is that we can know him through Christ, that when we come to know the Lord through Christ, God puts his spirit in us, and it's not so much about location in a space physically anymore. It could be your car. Your tent of meeting could be your car 15 minutes before you pull in to the job. Your tent of meeting could be your favorite chair and your favorite spot of the house with a cup of coffee, and that's where your tent of meeting is, right? It could be at Starbucks with earbuds in, and, and you're just connecting with God, and you have a, a space where the Lord is present. But God wants intimacy of the heart, and when you f get your space, what does he want to do when he's with you? He says, I'll meet with you and I'll speak with you. Man, that's an amazing thing that as I walked out this morning of my house, oh, dark 30, and I looked up and I went, oh my gosh, you're declaring your glory, Lord. I'm looking up at the stars and I'm going, and that, the person behind all that, the person at the core of the universe, he wants to meet with me and speak with me? The answer is unequivocally yes. And when you know when you, what you have and you don't take advantage, wow, that's, that's God's heart. God wants frequency of connection. God wants intimacy. Let's go to the Romans passage and read that, and we'll unpack something there too. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read that. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an Wow, God wants totality of life. You know, when you really want to be with someone and, and they get to know you, they don't want to get to know parts. They want to be with you a lot and they want to know all of you, not some of you, right? And, you know, guys, let's just confess something. We're the kings of compartmentalization, all right? We're able to put little things in boxes, right? And in your relationship with God, instead of it being a totality, it can be a box. And you go to the warehouse and you pull out your box when you come to church, you know, and you pull out your box maybe when you come to Bible study. And you pull out your box and then you get back in your car and then God's back on the shelf. Or you go to work and God's back on the shelf. Or you walk into a relationship and God's back on the shelf and it's not, it's an event, all right? God doesn't want an event relationship with you. You know what he wants? It's a word for it. Communion. Communion. That's a very different mentality. So you have the affairs of everyday life, right? And God's with you in the affairs of everyday life and he's walking with you. 
and you don't have like an event where it's like, oh, well, God's not walking with me and I'm in my everyday life. No, God's with you when you get in your car. God's with you when you walk through the door of your workplace. God's with you when you come back home. God's with you when you're cooking. God's with you all the time, and you're, you're walking with him. That's the whole emphasis of this series. God wants totality of life, and that's how you know that you have intimacy. It's like they know you, they know your life, he's with you in it. And then let's read a passage from Matthew. This is probably one of the strongest expressions of what God really wants out of the relationship. It's Jesus, he's quoting Isaiah, and he says this, Matthew 15, eight, let's read it together. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Isn't that convicting? It's like, okay, what does God want? God wants authenticity of commitment. Write that down. So here's just a few expressions of the heart of God from the Old Testament, from the New Testament. Man, what does God want? God wants what every person wants who's in a real relationship. He wants frequency, he wants intimacy, he wants totality of connection, and he wants authenticity. And on that last point, when Jesus is expressing this, he's looking at people where the relationship has turned into something it was never intended to turn into. It became about Oh, I'm connected to God to be visible in front of men. That's when he says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Why? Because where is their heart? Their heart is into themselves. They want to get stuff from God. They want to be visible because of their connection with God. They want power because religious men have power in the culture for some reason back then. And you look at Jesus' heart and it's just so sad. It's like, wow, why are these guys in it? They're in it for themselves. They don't want me. They want something else. It's either life from God, over God, for God, or under God. It's, it's, not me, my, it's not me. I'm not the goal of the relationship anymore. It's what they can get from me. So it's really important in any relationship to see what the other person really wants. Well, this is what God wants. And we're all putting ourselves through the little God MRI this morning, amen? And we're asking ourselves... If that's God's expression and if that's what he wants, let's take our relationship with God and let's, let's put it through the filter and no points off. Let's just reset it and let's, let's renew it. Now, there's a picture, a very healthy picture of being with someone, being with God in Psalm 84, which is why I asked you to, to hold a spot. Um, I'm in this process myself right now. I'm resetting my relationship with God. Sorry, guys, you're walking with me on this journey. But I think it's a journey we all have to be on, where we want it to be frequent. We want it to be intimate. We want it to be total. We want it to be real and authentic. And I see that in Psalm 84. I've been camping in this psalm for over a month. Just kind of, you know, because, you know, when you're in a relationship, you got to slow to know right? You got to slow down. You can't, you can't have quick and quality in any relationship. You can't be in a hurry and, and fitting someone in and have them feel like, wow, this is really intimate, total, and authentic, right? You got to slow to know. Let's say that together. You got to slow to know, right? And, and so when I, I'm slowing down because, man, I'm just like you. Hurry. God, Satan can't make me bad, but he can put me in a hurry, and when he puts me in a hurry, I miss people. And the person I miss the most is God. So uh, we're, we see a picture of a guy slowing down, taking time to see, look, and reset, and reflect, and renew. So I'm going to read Psalm 80, 84. Uh, and I want you to really put your ears on for this whole theme of being with God. Let it, let it in right now. So the psalmist says this. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. 
Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, let's finish it together. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Now that's a picture of being with somebody. Mm. Let the paint dry on that. You see his heart? It's the words of someone who is far away from the temple courts. So he's in the valley of Jericho, but he's making his way back to God. And he's thinking about, oh my gosh, I can't wait till I'm there. And so he starts to reflect about what it means to be with God there where he dwells. And uh, let's unpack that. So being with someone, this is what it means. It means that someone is wanted by you. Write that down. When you're with someone and you want to be with that someone and you want relationship, what does it mean? It means that someone is wanted by you. All right, let's read verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 84 together and unpack this. Ready? How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Wow. You think God feels wanted? It's a three-day walk from the valley of Jericho to the temple court. And he's, he's on his pilgrimage. And he's just going, man, I cannot wait to be with you. What's your attitude toward being with God on a daily basis? Are you fitting him in? Is he just somewhere in between Microsoft Outlook and Instagram on your phone? Is he in between picking up your prescription or going to the store? Is he an accessory? Because that's what it's like in Western culture. It's a consumer culture. And a consumer culture makes a consumer God. He's there to follow you, not you to follow him. He's there for your benefit. Just like you got a guy who makes your Starbucks latte and fixes your car and does your loan and all that stuff. Well, God's not an accessory. He's a person. And people want time. I know you know what this means because there are people in your life that you care about. And they know that you care about them when you give them time and talk and energy and place. Like when you set your schedule aside and everything going on in that to be with them. Dads, remember when you set your schedule aside and sacrificed to go be at your kid's game or to show up at, at open house or, or to do, you know. We know how to do this. You know how to do this. So do it with God. Set time aside to want him. You know, it's, it's, it, even if you're, it, it, there's a difference between wanting someone and existing with someone, right? We know how relationships can grow stale. So where's your heart? This guy said, man, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord, because that's where God is. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And you guys ever been really, really thirsty? Or really, really hungry? That's the image. My heart, my flesh, they cry out. There's, it's, it's like, I have to have this. Now, if you struggle with what I just said, man, I gotta have Jesus. I gotta have some, some time with God. You need to reset and you need to reflect 
and you re- need to renew because God's worth your time. God's worth your time. And he did the only thing that he could do so that you could do the only thing that you could do to spend time with him. He did this. That's the person you want to spend time with. Amen? Amen. He did this. Anybody else in your life done this? And took it in seven places and bled from seven places so that you could have a future in heaven and, a, and have your sins forgiven? And when you wander and you don't want, man, we're borrowing trouble. Amen? We're borrowing trouble. So that's the first thing. When you're, when you're in a relationship with someone, that someone is wanted by you. Second, that someone is welcoming toward you. I love this picture. I have been dwelling in Psalm 84, and I just love this picture. Let's read verse three. It's right below that fill-in. It says this, ready? Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. You see, there's a juxtaposition between the sparrow and the place where God dwells. Now, the sparrow is referenced by Jesus too in the New Testament. Did you notice that? He says his eyes on the sparrow. You ever heard that song? Okay, the sparrow is a metaphor for something worthless and common and restless. Think about that. You know, I walk out my porch and it's just like, it's like a, it's like a fluttering sound. They're all in my bushes and stuff. You walk outside, it's like, you know, you're kind of sitting on a park bench and the birds are flying around and, you know, it's just like, you know, you're not even really paying any attention to them. You're just like, oh, they're birds, right? But what the Bible says and what the psalmist, how he sees himself, he's like, I'm common and I'm not special, but God tenderly, cares for me, even the sparrow. In my Bible, it's funny, in Psalm 84, next to verse three, it says, I am the sparrow. And he lets me have a place near his altar. Now, there was a, a rule, uh, or I don't know what you call it, but a, a standard that even those sparrows at that time too were considered worthless and restless and very common. If they had a nest in a tree in the temple court, they could not be evacuated. They could not be made to leave. They couldn't be shooed away. Now you read that passage. Even the sparrow has found a what? A home. The swallow, a nest for herself, where she can have her young, and and it's a place near your altar, So the worthless thing, the restless thing, the thing that we don't put a lot of value on, man, even that creature has access to the dwelling place of God and it's permanent. Can't be, it'll never be turned away. And so you look at the heart of the psalmist and you go, man, God is welcoming toward me. The tender care of God. So when you are with someone that someone is wanted by you, when you're with someone, that, it, that someone is welcoming toward you. Just listen, God's posture toward you is welcoming. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care what you think you've done. I don't care how far you think you're away from God. He's welcoming toward you. Even the sparrow has found a home. Third, when you're with someone, that someone is worshiped by you. Let's read verse four. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever what? Praising you. All all worship means is you give them a high place. When you worship something, you're giving it a high place. Like my friends, when I started dating Christian, they're just like, you worship her, bro. Like you disappeared. Who are you? You know, it's like this pixie dust fell all over me. You know, I was just like, man, I want to be with this person. I want this person. They want me. I'm welcoming toward this person. They welcome me. They want to be with me. And man, I am, my actions say that Chrissy has a high place. They have a high place. Why? Because my energy is going toward that person. You know, if you have 
a good relationship with someone and they feel that from you when they have a high place. When you lift them up, when you honor them, you respect, honor, appreciation, you see them for who they are. That's what the psalmist is saying. Is blessed are those who dwell in your house. Man, when they're with you, they're praising you. And you know, I've really taken that to heart as I'm trying to reset and reflect and renew. I'm trying to bring worship like the kind you think of when you think of that word, like singing. Because the singing part helps me reflect and renew and reset. You know, I, I downloaded four worship albums uh, onto my phone. And for the last six months, I've just been constantly, when, when it says they are ever praising you, it's just, hey, I'm, I'm with you, but on the way down here, I was listening to worship music. Uh, I'm going to get in my car and drive to Costa Mesa today. And when I'm in my car, I'm going to be listening to worship music. When I'm, when I'm on my way home, I'm going to come back to Crossline. I'm going to do some things. And in my office, there's going to be worship music on. If you, like the guys who walk into my office early in the morning today, they always hear worship music. Well, not always here, but, you know, but they're, they're hearing it now for sure. Why? Because I want to get into this posture of ever praising God. There's always something to praise God for. Amen? There's always something. Even like you think, no, no, I'm in adversity, Kenny. You don't understand it. Does God, is God more present in your prosperity? Does he somehow abandon you in your adversity? The answer is no. You may feel that he has, but he hasn't. And the way we know that is because God was present at the cross. Would you call that an adverse circumstance? Was God there? Was God working? Was God using that? Certainly he's there, he's working, and he's gonna use your adversity too. He's with you, and we can praise and thank God for that, amen? That God uses everything. He uses everything, not just your yellow brick road and your bowl of cherries seasons, okay? He uses everything. So uh, when you're with someone, that someone is wanted by you, that someone is welcoming toward you, that someone is worshiped by you, now we're going to switch the letter from a W to an A. Uh, number four, that someone is an anchor like no other. Right? When you're tight with someone, that person is like an anchor. Listen to what the psalmist says. Let's read it together. Ready? Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Now, it's this picture of turning to God for strength. But if you don't know what the Valley of Baca was, it was this, this, this place along the road, the Jericho Road, all right, which went to Jerusalem from the Jericho Valley. Okay, you gotta get about, A, that, that trail, you gotta get 4,000 feet of elevation. So when in the psalmist says in the Psalm of Ascent, Psalm 121, my eyes look to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The hills represent challenges, it's not God's hiding behind the hills and it looks beautiful and he's there. That's not what it means. It means that my eyes look to the hills and it's like, man, those hills are like my challenges to get to be where God is. So my eyes look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And so along that road and getting 4,000 feet of elevation on the way to be with God is the Valley of Baca and it's called the Place of Weeping. All right, it was a place, the Valley of Baca means the place of weeping. It's, a, it's symbolic because it's dry, it's arid, it's, um, it's hot, it's oppressive. So when the psalmist says, as they pass through the Valley of Baca, right, hard place, they make it a place of springs, this image of desert becoming an oasis. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So on the journey with God, there's challenges. On the journey of, with God, there's places of weeping. 
There's hard times. But even in those hard times, because you're in relationship with God and he's your anchor, that hard time can be redeemed. That hard time can be resurrected. Why? Because you're with God. And God can do that. Some of you are here and you're in the valley of Baca. You're in a very hard time. You might be in a season of repentance. You might be in a season of loss. You might be in a season of joblessness. You might be in a season of waiting for a long time. You might be in a season of unknowing. You're in the valley of Baca and it's caused you to, to kind of wrench, maybe even weep. Maybe you're weeping. But you know what I need to tell you? God wants to be your anchor in the valley of Baca. He wants to be the one that you turn to. He's calling you home. He wants to be wanted by you again. He wants to be welcoming toward you. He wants to be given a high place in your life again. He wants to be your anchor. And that's what we see when you're really with someone. When you're with someone, you trust someone. You turn to them all the time. I mean, I turn to Jesus and I turn to this little Irish five foot four girl named Chrissy. She's amazing. The Bible says the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain for she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. So my two anchors, Jesus and Chrissy Luck. You know, and so that's, so I look at my relationship with my wife who is my closest person, she's my person, and I'm close to her. And I go, what are the things that are working there Oh my gosh, God's the author of relationship. I should want him. He should be my anchor. He should, I mean, Chrissy's great, and she provides a lot for me, a lot of support, but nothing like God. And she would agree with me. She would agree with me. So, if you're with someone, that someone is wanted by you. It's, they're welcoming toward you. They're worshiped by you. They're an anchor for you. Uh, Next, that someone is appreciated like no other. They're an anchor like no other, and they're appreciated like no other. Look at verse 10 underneath your fill-in, and it's just perspective, fellas. How does he view being with God? This is how he views it. Let's read it together. Ready? Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Now there's, there's a compare contrast. Do you appreciate being with God? I mean like, appreciate like no other. He's saying, man, best party, Bellagio, MGM Grand, Four Seasons, Ritz-Carlton, St. Regis, their best that they could ever throw out. I'd rather be a janitor in God's house than be there. Wow. You see, you gotta be there long enough to know the value of it. You know, but if you're a squatter versus a dweller in the house of God, you'll never experience the benefits of being there. Right? You know the difference between a squatter and a dweller, right? The dweller remains. The squatter comes and goes. You know, a lot of us are like superheroes in our relationship with God. We show up as fast as we come, you know, and then we leave as fast as we come. It's like, hey, God, how's it going? All right, all right, have a good day, see you later. You know, help, you know, and then we're out. Versus better is one day. A day is a long time in, in our fast-paced, hurry world, right? What was the last time you took a day to spend with Jesus? I don't know. I think if I took a survey, if I did a little satellite MRI, it'd be a long time for a lot of us. But you know what? You're not as important as you think you are. There's God and you're not him. But you act like it because you're in such a hurry you think, if, man, if I don't do this, if I don't show up, if I don't, like, gosh, somehow my world and the world is not going to run at the same level it is right now. You know what that's called? Fantasy. Right? When was the last time you just said, you know what, I'm going to take a day, be with the Lord? Think that would send a message to him? I do that with my wife. Hey, you know what? I'm taking three days off. 
we're going wherever. You know what the message that sends to my wife is? You're super important. And we're going to hold hands and do what we did before. And we're going to walk on the beach just like we did in Dana Point when I asked you to marry me. And we're going to take time. If you're convicted right now, you should be. Because I am. That's why I'm resetting and I'm reflecting and I'm renewing my relationship with God because he's a person. But he should be repeated like no other. I know a friend of mine, his name's Brian. His name's Brian Ziering. And um, we shared our testimonies about how um, when God said yes to a relationship with us, when we figured out that he wants us and we're welcomed by him, how we just jumped on it like beggars with an empty bowl at the rescue mission. We showed up and he's a very successful person. But when he came to Christ, he was a janitor in a church. And he said, you know those days? Those were the best days. And I read that verse and I I called him and I said, hey Brian, you know in Psalm 84, in verse 10, your name is in my Bible. I took a picture of it. Brian Ziering. And just to like help, I, I, I'm like, Brian, I'm resetting. And you know what? You knew back then that you had everything you would ever need in Jesus. Is Jesus enough? Or do you need all that? Well, then send a message to Jesus, right? Appreciate him by wanting to be with him. Lastly, when you're in a relationship with someone, that someone is trusted like no other. Wanted by you welcoming toward you, worshiped by you, an anchor like no other in the valley of Baca, appreciated like no other, better is one day, and that someone is trusted like no other. Let's read verses 11 and 12 of Psalm 84. Ready? For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who who trusts in you. Want to be blessed? Trust in the Lord. I don't know what you're trusting in. Maybe you're trusting in a person, trusting in money, trusting in your job for your future, trusting in some sensation, trusting in some alternative reality that's better than your present reality. Trusting, we trust in a lot of things besides the Lord. But there's a lot of good reasons in between, you know, for the Lord God and blessed is the one who trusts in you for us to trust him. You know, the picture of the God being a son is that he illuminates things. He lights things up. He, he, he you know, when, when you're on that walk from the Jericho Valley to Jerusalem and it's days, it's, it's nighttime and there weren't any flashlights and there were, there were things out there in the darkness as you were going to be with God and then on the journey, the psalmist is going, man, you're like when the sun comes up and how that feels. I can see. And when I can see, there's hope. And when there's hope, I have energy. Amen? Some of you are, need, that, need that sun, don't you? Need that hope, right? Well, God's that person. That's why I trust him. My shield. So there's another picture of the shield. Now, we all know what a shield is. It's... You know, and the Bible says, raise the shield of faith. You know, has God ever protected you from yourself? <laughs> God protects. God's a shield. Man, God has saved me from so many flaming missiles that the devil has thrown at me, that the world has thrown at me, that I've thrown at me. He's protected me from myself. He's a shield. So why would I trust God like no other? Because he illuminates, he protects. And then it's not just about, you know, what he can do so I can feel better or be protected, but he also then comes at me with blessing. It says here, uh, the Lord bestows favor and honor. You know, in Christ, I'm a son. I went from being an orphan to a child of God. And he says, you're my son who I love, and in you I am well pleased. 
I have acceptance without performance. I'm an adopted son. I have full rights with God. Bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk you know, is, is blameless. Right? He, gives, he gives gifts. If we just come to him and appreciate him and want him and know we're welcomed by him and give him a high place and and make him our anchor and our go-to, and we appreciate him. Man, God's ready to, ready to reciprocate, bang, like that. It doesn't take much. You know, like when you're a parent and your kids, you know, you're, you're usually there, at first you're their servant, you do everything for them. You know, then you're, you're their trainer, and then you're their coach, and then you're, you know, you're their mentor, and you're giving, and you're giving, and you're giving. You know how you feel when they kind of give back a little bit to you, how good that feels? And that's, that's kind of the picture here is, man, God gives us way more than we could give him. It's disproportionate. That's why we trust him. So blessed is the one who trusts in him. So when you know what you have, now let's turn a corner. When you know what you have, all right? God wants you. God's welcoming toward you. You're the apple of God's eye. He wants to be your anchor. He appreciates you. Do you appreciate him? He believes in you. Do you trust him? When you know what you have, look what the Bible says. All right, let's read Hebrews 10, 21 through 23. Ready? And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Wow. Circle on the top line, draw near. You might feel far away. God always wants you to draw near. You can always draw near. And don't just draw near without it being real. Draw near with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. God wants to do some things to you as you draw near. Now, this theme of drawing near is reinforced in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 12. Let's read that together. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Circle freedom and confidence. The invitation is there. You have access because you know Jesus. You may not feel worthy of your access, but you got access. All right? You still have the all access pass. All right? And just come. Come with a sincere heart and with the assurance that your faith brings versus what? Your feelings. If I come, if I come, if if my draw to God is based on my feelings, a lot of times because of the choices I've made, I won't come because I don't feel worthy. But faith says, it doesn't matter how you feel, this is your identity and this is your access and you have it. Come based on faith. Come back to God. And then it says, in, in, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Have you ever had someone say, well, I didn't know I could come and talk to you about that? And they had some thoughts in their head about coming to you, and you're just like, what, really? No, come. I don't think, I don't feel that way at all. But you know, that's what feelings do. That's what fears do. Fears create scenarios that aren't real. And, the, and that's what the devil wants, you know? But we come in faith. We're in Christ, and the blood of Christ cleanses us and was shed for us, and we have status with God. We have all access. But isn't it crazy? Wouldn't it be crazy if, like, I had an all-access pass to, let's say, Mumford & Sons, one of my favorite bands. And I had the pass, but I was way back there, 20,000 people back, like when I saw him in Boston at Boston Calling, I was way, way, way in the back of the athletic fields at Harvard. But I was still enjoying the music, but man, can you imagine if like, hey, Kenny, here's your all-access pass. Let's go on stage. Little different experience, right? Some of you have been given an all-access pass through your faith in Jesus Christ, and you know where you are. You're way, way, way back there by the hot dog stand 
unnecessarily. Okay, don't do that. Don't do that. You have all access every day, 24-7, moment by moment. Be in the affairs of your life and then access God. Do life from the stage, amen? With God, with the band, right? We're here where the richness and fullness of the experience is. You got an all-access pass. We would look at, you would look at me if I had an all-access pass and I was way back there, 20,000 back by the hockey band. You're an idiot. Not that God is saying that about you this morning, but he is. Because it's foolish, okay? It's foolish to have all-access to God, a God who wants you, a God who welcomes you, a God who has place in your life, a God who wants to be your anchor, a God who died for you, a God who's forgiven you, a God who lets you come to heaven through Jesus and have presence and power and his anointing and his blessing. It's, it's just idiotic to have that available to you and not to have you use it. That's what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. You feeling him? I'm feeling him. And I'm resetting. I don't want to be a fool who has full access and doesn't use it. So I'm going to trust him today. I don't know about you, but I'm going to trust this wonderful Savior, Jesus, today. I'm going to walk with Jesus today. When I get out of here, I'm going to walk with Jesus today. I'm going to talk to Jesus today, and I'm not going to wait till I pray over lunch to talk to Jesus. I'm going to talk to him when I get in the car. I'm going to talk to him when I'm at my desk. I'm going to talk to him. You see, guys, that's, that's life with someone, you know? And you can have a close, conscious communion with God if you just use your access, right? Look what it says in Hebrews 4.16. Let's read that together. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Circle the words, so that. See, there's a predicate, there's a transition, and then there's a delivery, right? The predicate is approach. Approach confidently. Why? Because you're under his grace. He accepts you through Christ, not because of what you do, but because you said yes to the person and work of Jesus, now you're in the Son. The Son handed you a ticket from the Father that gives you access to be with the Father. Oh, you're in the Son? Fine. Come, you, you're with my son, you have access. And then, so that, why? Why do I have access? What do we need? We need mercy and grace. You need mercy and grace. Nothing like God's mercy. I don't know about you, but I blow it every day. Subconsciously or consciously, and I need his mercy. And I need his grace. And that mercy and grace helps me in my time of need, right? which is every day. I need God's mercy and grace. I need to know that, that God's with me, God forgives me, God loves me, God accepts me, God gives me his favor. Even though I'm who I am, I'm the sparrow. I'm a permanent resident in the house of the Lord. That's, that's why in Psalm 23, David you know, says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. So let's do this last fill in. At the top of, on top of those three verses, when you know what you have, and then I put dot, 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 you invest everything in that relationship. When you know what you have in Christ, he doesn't want some. He wants all. You invest everything. So, does that mean that you sell all your possessions and jump on a boat and go plant an orphanage somewhere? Well, could be. Doesn't have to be. It just means that where you are in your context, God has the totality of your life. Even if you're in the Valley of Baca, he has the totality of that because he can redeem that. Remember? He can make the autumn rains come into the desert and he can bring newness 
and create an oasis out of a desert if you want to be with him. So let's reset, let's reflect, let's renew, let's pray. Let's talk to God. Bow your heads right now. Bow your heads. So Lord, we're here. Some of us need to let the thoughts about you in our heads travel south to our heart. We know about you, but we're not yearning. We don't, we don't even know how. But Lord, you, you want us, and we just want to tell you, man, we want you really bad. I want to know you in a new way this year. I don't want the same things that I've always done to be true about our walk because you're a person, you're dynamic, you're knowable, you love, you feel. You want me to want you and so with my brothers, I confess my soul is yearning for a real relationship with you. I don't want our relationship to be something that it's not, where I'm after things from you versus just you. And so, Lord, we're taking time. We're, we're slowing to know. And God, we're all like the sparrow. Just to be next to you is crazy because of who you are and who I am. But I get a place near your altar. And we're blessed. Thank you, Jesus, for making that space for us to be permanent residents, dwellers in the house of God. And thank you that even in the valley of Baca, where it feels dry and lonely, you can turn that place into a renewed place of springs, of overflow, of blessing, Lord. So we... We declare that. That's who you are. Lord, right now there's men in the valley of Baca, and I declare blessing and springs and autumn rains over them in the valley right now in Jesus' name. God, my prayer is that they would receive it, that they would go from strength to strength until they secure that connection with you when they're with you where you are and they feel your favor. And they wouldn't exchange that feeling for anything. They'd rather be a janitor in your house than dwell in the tents of the wicked or in the world. Thank you that you're our illuminator, you're our protector, you're our bestower of good gifts. God, help us to trust in you. Be our anchor. Help us to remember who you are and how fortunate and blessed we are to know you. And as we know you better, help us trust you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.